All right, in this video, we are talking about knowledge as contextual from chapter four of Leonard Peikoff's book, Objectivism, the Philosophy of Ayn Rand. Stay tuned. All right, so in the last section, we talked at a high level about objectivity as our method of reaching truth. And here we're going to be looking at one aspect of objectivity that flows out of the fact that knowledge is contextual. So Leonard starts out by talking about the phenomenon of quoting people out of context. And it's the idea that to understand a viewpoint, you can't just look at any one sentence, you have to look at the total. And the kind of wider lesson he draws out of this is that knowledge at every level is relational and that you can't just look at, you know, a single idea or a single proposition or a single concept. You have to get the kind of relationships that give rise to it. And that this reflects two facts, one about the universe and one about consciousness. It reflects the fact that there is one universe and that everything is related in the universe. It's causally interconnected. And that our knowledge, which is supposed to grasp what is, it's supposed to grasp as much of this totality as we can, therefore that needs to be a unity. And so this relational nature of knowledge means that to hold the full context, we have to be able to integrate. We have to be able to connect any idea to the rest of our knowledge without contradiction. So integration is then this active process of connecting any idea into the sum of our knowledge at a given point, rooting out contradictions and seeking connections. And this is to be contrasted then with the concrete bound mentality that doesn't even bother to try to connect his knowledge or compartmentalization where you attempt to integrate but only within a defined sphere. And Leonard gives the example of the kind of, con of compartmentalization where you have you know, conservative economists who will preach the virtue of the profit motive in economics and then the Sermon on the Mount in church. And that what integration is gonna do is say, no, you, have to, you can't just integrate within a given sphere. You have to integrate into the full sum totality of your knowledge. And then we end with the discussion of philosophy as the ultimate integrator, the, the, the science that's gonna integrate all of our knowledge it's integrate all of our principles into a coherent sum so the issue of context arises because on the conceptual level all of our knowledge is formed through relationships right remember in our discussion of concepts it's that we're relating things we're saying these are similar as against those and then what we're doing when we're forming higher level concepts is we're integrating those concepts into more general concepts. And then we're forming generalizations, which then lead to higher level generalizations, which then we integrate into principles, which then we integrate into philosophy. So at every level, we're building knowledge on knowledge. We're identifying new relationships based on old relationships. And this is what it means that knowledge is contextual. It's that a context is what allowed us to uh, reach new knowledge, to validate knowledge, to apply it, and to uh, understand where it's applicable. And that if you strip any given item of knowledge out of that context, you lose its connection to reality. And Leonard gives us two kinds of examples. We get the example of Rawls, who, who takes the concept earn and tears it out of the context in which we'd reach that concept, treats it as if we can ask okay, did you earn your brain when, no, the whole context that gives rise to earn is given a person's identity and given the circumstances that they're in, did they make better or worse choices? What were the results of their choices? And he's stripping that away. 
Chamberlain is a different kind of example where it's what he's doing is he's dropping the principles. He's dropping the context uh, of um, Hitler's demands and treating them as completely out of context, not, not bringing in anything else relevant that he knows. And so the bottom line lesson is that if we actually want to stay connected to reality, if we actually want to bring our knowledge of reality to any given conclusion or to any given problem we're trying to solve, we've got to actively integrate. We can't drop context, we have to integrate. So I think it's helpful to see this section in terms of uh, objectivity as a norm. A norm exists to provide you with guidance. And so how does objectivism think about defining normative standards? Well, you have to start with a goal and then you think, what are the means at my disposal to reach the goal? And we do that by identifying certain metaphysically given facts about man. So as we'll talk about more when we get to the subject of morality, from objectivism's perspective, morality is a normative science and the goal, the ultimate value that you should be seeking is your life, or you can think of it as more informally, your life and your happiness. And so how do we determine how to achieve that? Well, we look at certain metaphysically given facts about man and then draw certain implications from that. So if you look at how Einrin formulates, say, the virtue of productiveness, it's the recognition of the fact that you have to sustain your life through the work of your mind. And so that's a fact about man. And then that fact and the chosen goal to, to achieve your own life and happiness that's going to give you guidance, the virtue of productiveness, that you should organize your life around a central productive purpose. And so we can see it's the same sort of structure here. The, it's, it's interesting to me that Leonard calls this section not you know, the need to integrate, but knowledge is contextual. We have a goal, awareness of reality. And then we have a certain metaphysically given fact about man's mind that knowledge is contextual. And then we can draw the normative implication, which is in the face of that fact, the way to achieve awareness is to integrate. So let's talk about integration. And one of the things that Leonard Peikoff stresses in his book, The Dim Hypothesis, is the way in which knowledge at every level is integration, whether we're talking about percepts, concepts, or logic. And, you know, at the perceptual level, that integration is done automatically. It's, you don't have to do anything volitionally, but at the conceptual level, at the level of logic, all knowledge is integration. We've kind of hinted at an uh, at why that is and in what respect that is. And the reason I'm stressing this so much is because I think there can be a tendency to read this section as too much as integration is more of a singular act. Like I get a new idea, okay, I integrate it and now I move on with life. And rather the better way to think about it is that integration is the ongoing commitment to relate your knowledge into a coherent and ever expanding sum. And why do you want to do that? Well, it's precisely you're trying to know a sum. You're trying to know a whole that is reality. And so, yes, we have to learn it in steps. We have to learn it in stages. But the aim is always the total. It's the whole. And so it's that kind of commitment, that ongoing commitment is what integration is in encouraging us to follow. And so definitely part of what integration is valuable for is to spot errors. So for thinking about a new idea. We want to know, okay, does this involve a contradiction? Um, but I think it's it's more helpful to get that 
integration is at the core of what it means to learn. And so like to me, the, the best example of what does it mean to integrate and in what way does this actually uh, expand our understanding of reality and our ability to cope with reality is something like Newton's integration of mathematics and physics and making physics into a mathematical science. And if you just think about the explosion of knowledge and understanding the world and ability to deal with the world that that opens up, that's the power of integration. And now that's a, you know, kind of like once in uh, a thousand years type integration. But at every level, that's what you're doing is that to learn to discover something is to integrate. It's to uh, grasp a new relationship. It is to, you know, you have certain kind of tools in your toolkit, your your existing knowledge, and then you learn, okay, I can actually use this tool for other things. And so it's the 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 whole essence of what it means to function as a thinker, as somebody grasping reality, is to constantly be relating your knowledge. And part of that is sifting out uh, mistakes. But the real, the real main cash value is an expansion, is in, in learning more about reality. So how do we integrate? And I want to start out with how we don't integrate. When I first read this section in OPAR back, gosh, probably when I was 15 years old, I took it to mean that in effect, every time you heard a new idea, learned a new idea, you break out, in effect, the dictionary of the totality of your knowledge. And it's all right, I got to go down the list now. And step, does it integrate with A and B and C? And that's not at all um, what integration consists of. And it, if it was, then you would say to hell with integration, because that's something that you, you know, would take a lifetime to do with one idea, let alone all of your ideas. And integration shouldn't be experienced as laborious, as a chore, as this kind of like daunting gauntlet that you have to run through. It should really be uh, exciting and um, something that like is fun to engage in. Now, there can be difficult things involved in integration, but like as a rule, um, it should be something really appealing. And even one of the examples Leonard gives, which is important and makes a real point, which is integrating an idea like egoism, Ayn Rand's concept of egoism, it's it's a very unusual example of integration because what it really means is the if you're going to fully integrate, for most people, that idea requires a complete restructuring of their knowledge or certainly their moral value knowledge. And most integrations aren't like that. It's kind of just you, you glimpse a connection and you make it and it illuminates uh, your understanding of the world in a really pleasurable, empowering way. And so, I mean, the starting point for how to integrate is actually just a really uh, straightforward process of asking yourself, what does this remind me of? What is this similar to? What is this different from? And sometimes you'll just catch a glimpse of this kind of reminds me of something that's interesting. Let me explore that. Or it can even be, um, well, I'm not focused on that. I might come back to it at some point, but it's just a, a mental set that's trying to connect things and see what it's similar to and what it's different from in all the rest of what you know. Now, we can say a little bit more about it. That's sort of, I think, the core of what it means to be an integrator, to be on the policy of integration, as we talked about a few minutes ago. Um, but I think we can refine it a little bit or give us some clues how to be better at integrating. And one of the points Harry Binswinger makes in How We Know that I think is really valuable is that kind of preconditions to effective integration are 
the clarity and precision of our ideas. That is, you can integrate clear and precisely held ideas. You can't integrate something that's vague and sloppy. And the example that I like to think of is integrating uh, an understanding of altruism and how it leads to statism. And if you just hold altruism, well, it's kind of like uh, being nice to people, or even if you hold it, it's like serving others. And, and, and it has that sort of kind of vague, gropey feeling to the way that it stands in your mind, um, you're never going to see that connection. But if you if you hold the idea with a you know clear uh, view that well, altruism is a moral theory that holds that the individual has no right to exist for his own sake, that the only justification for his life and his highest moral duty is self-sacrifice. Well, then I, it it becomes almost immediately clear how that could be connected to a system of government that says the individual is nothing and has to sacrifice to society or has to sacrifice to the state. So how do you achieve that clarity and precision? Well, a lot of it is exactly what we've talked about. Remember, the, the, whole, the whole issue arises on the level, the conceptual level, and the way that you achieve clarity and precision with your concepts is to actually go through the concept formation process even when you learn an idea from someone else. And again, we talked about this in the section of definitions in a lot of depth. It's, all right, what's the genus? What's the differentia? How can I spot the existence, isolate the existence that I'm referring to in reality? And we'll talk more about this when we get to reduction, but it's that kind of clarity and precision that Harry is saying is going to really empower you as an integrator. So the, the more that you can hold your concepts clearly, your generalizations clearly, and the context in which you form them, the more you're going to be able to make connections to different things. Harry also talks about what he calls stage one and stage two integration. And stage one integration, he puts as the kind of deliberate act of relating a new idea to its nearest neighbors so how does you know this what what is the genus that this concept or generalization is being formed out of how does it connect with those other very similar things you know what are some other kinds of examples what are the immediate implications so you're looking for you know if you think about knowledge as this wide-ranging network you're in effect what are the closest nodes and does this integrate with all that and that's where you really want to be uh, active and deliberate as you're entertaining or toying with an idea or cons uh, considering it. But then stage two integration is um, uh, setting a standing order. It's having the mental set that says, I'm going to be on the lookout for things that this is connected to or might clash with in an ongoing way. So it's, it's the more active process of integration that is arising whenever you're you're specifically working with a new idea and then there's the ongoing commitment to not isolate that or just passively let that uh, new item of knowledge kind of sit in your mind but to but to be on the premise of connecting it as much as you can to everything else applying it in new cases um, looking for you know new fields that it might be relevant to and that is really the kind of process that that that, that is what it means to have kind of an ongoing approach to integration All right two broader issues that i want to raise about integration so one is that integration is through essentials and i think this is really part of the point that harry benzwinger stressing 
when he's getting at the idea that you can integrate only to the degree that your your ideas are clear and precise so if you think about the difference between having man as the rational animal and what that opens up in terms of understanding what kind of morality is appropriate to the rational animal what kind of political system is appropriate versus if you just have kind of a vague oh man is the you know kind of thing that walks around and talks let alone you know some of the definitions of man as a thumb having animal or man as the laughing animal it's that the essentials bring to mind and make accessible to you the most important knowledge and the that most the most vast amount of knowledge about the things that you're trying to relate and therefore makes possible uh, a much broader range of integrations that you can get without that kind of um, grasp of essentials and even if you think in a more um, it's not just an issue of concepts but even if you view the difference of people who are like the way Ayn Rand's able to cut through a complicated sort of situation and when she's writing an article say about Woodstock or about the death of Marilyn Monroe or about you know uh, Apollo 11 she's her she's able to grasp the essential to zero in on all right what is uh the the important thing to be looking at in this and what's kind of um extraneous and so you know if it's the death of Marilyn Monroe getting in way getting that well that essence here is somebody who's been penalized for being good and now she can integrate that with all kinds of variants of hatred of the good for being the good that for instance she'll she covers in, in a large scope in the age of envy all of that is that you're you're integrating through essentials and so if you think in terms of essentials your integrating power is just going to skyrocket and then it's integrating through essentials and two principles that is part of what we're aiming at and shooting for is to is to achieve principles and why are principles so important well it's for the very reason that concepts are important unit reduction unit economy the crow epistemology when we reach a principle our scale of what we can understand and deal with is dramatically increased and so the virtue of integration is giving us principles and then helping us apply principles so that we can deal with reality on a much vaster scale than we could without it all right that's it for this video next time we'll be talking about knowledge as hierarchical and as we'll see that's a particular kind of context a particular perspective on context and until then be sure to like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and hit that bell so you don't miss a single episode. And as always, the best way to stay in contact is to go to donswriting.com and sign up for the newsletter. Talk next time.